Good morning again. Glad that you are here. Uh, I know we've got a lot of folks out of pocket this morning. A lot of folks must be traveling. Some folks on uh, fall break. That's a good thing. We had a wonderful fall uh, festival of sorts last night uh, at uh, Tim and Lindsay Coombs' house and appreciate them so much for uh, opening their home to us or at least their backyard and their uh, garage to us. Uh, we had a great time. I caught a little bluegill, so um, still got it, you know, still got it. Um, had a great time, a lot of good uh, food and uh, good desserts. Uh, towards the end there, we were, a couple of guys were playing um, a game over on the side, playing cornhole where you toss the, the bean bag into the, the hole there, and they, they were playing, and Brent and I were kind of standing over there talking, and and then there was a comment made, and they said, how about um, old, old guys versus the young guys? Brent and I were like, yeah, we'll do that. And so we walked over there, and we waiting for the old guys to show up, you know? Who, who are we going to play? They were talking about us. We were the old guys, or at least Brent was. And I was guilty by association. So we, we played a little cornhole. We let them get off to a big lead, kind of inflate their egos, and then we started coming back on them. And um, I think we actually won, but they started changing the rules on us there at the end. And uh, so anyway, we, we gave them the W, but um, had a lot of fun, just a good, good time together last night. It's fun when, when family gets together, sp uh, spends time, shares a meal, laughter, playing games. Um, I love it when we come together on Sunday mornings. Uh, so we're so blessed. God has loved us and blessed us so much to allow us this time together, and I'm glad you're here this morning. Living by faith versus living by sight. That's what I want to talk a little bit about this morning, living by faith. What would it look like if you as an individual lived your life by faith? What would it look like as a church body if collectively, together, we began to, to all pull in the same direction, living, living by faith, walking by faith, not by sight, knowing that we could only accomplish this if God were in the middle of it. What would that look like? Several weeks ago, may, may have been a couple of months ago now, um, James Litzy stood here in this pulpit and he, he shared... Uh, an idea about what it might look like we as a body of people, a church body, began to pull it together in the same direction as it relates to fostering, fostering children, bringing a child into to our home. Uh, James and Lisa have committed to that, and they are right on the precipice of, of inviting a child or maybe children into their home. What would it look like? If we as a body of people all began to, to pull together, to rally around that, to pull in the same direction, to, to love a child, to shine the light of Christ into a very dark world. Um, we'll talk a lot more about this in the coming weeks. I did want to say that um, I think about a month from now, um, in November, early in November on a Wednesday night, uh, an individual from Child Place is going to come and talk to us uh, to open our minds, to share with us some ideas about how we as a church can do exactly that. We can begin to, to love 
uh, one another, to, to pull together, to support uh, what James and Lisa are doing, and maybe find someone else rise up from among us that also wants uh, to care for a child for a time in their home. So more about that uh, in, the, in the coming weeks, but I did want to, um, to let you know that that was on the horizon. Uh, Genesis chapter 13, if you will, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 13. Let's just read our text together this morning, and then I'll offer some thoughts to you. Genesis chapter 13, the word of the Lord says this. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zoar. Now this was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Word of the Lord. So in our text this morning, Abram, I may slip up and say Abraham, his name has not been changed yet. That's going to happen in a couple of chapters later, but But Abram is the picture of what it means to live by faith, living by faith. Lot, in our text this morning, is the picture of someone who lives by sight, who lives by sight. It says that he saw that the land looked good, but little did he know what was going to lie ahead, what was going to be before him. Now, you remember back a couple of chapters ago, Abram had answered the call of God. The call of God came to Abram. The voice of Yahweh told him to to pack up his tent, to leave this place, to leave what he knew, the Ur of the Chaldees, and and to go. And God says, I'll I'll show you where you're going. I'm not going to tell you all of it right now, but he says, pack up your tent and go. And Abram had answered the call of God, but he didn't know where he was going. 
He didn't know where he was going. The only thing he knew was that God was going with him. I almost heard a little something. (laughs) He didn't know where he was going. I'm going to give you another chance. But he knew that God was going to go with him. And so he goes. You know what we call that? Living by faith. Living by faith. He answered the call of God, and he went by faith. And, and God, is, God is blessing him. I mean, he, he's got silver, he's got gold, livestock. I mean, uh, God is just pouring it out on him. Uh, I, I know a guy who, who's a rancher out in, in Texas, and he's got a lot of head of cattle, and, you know, if you're a rancher, you're also a farmer. You, you're, you're bailing hay, and, and you're doing lots of things. He's bought into this idea that the way you know that God is blessing you is if, is if you're receiving material things. And he goes to a, a passage like this, and he says, you see, that's how God blesses people. He gives them stuff, lots, lots of cattle, livestock, silver, gold. And so in his mind, when he goes out into the field and he finds a calf that's dead, or his truck breaks down again, or his tractor's not working. He says, God, what, what is happening? God's not blessing me anymore. I'm, I, I'm going to church, I'm praying, I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but, but yet these things are happening. He's bought into this idea that that's, that's the only way you know if God is blessing you is by material things. We fall into that same trap sometimes, don't we? We... we we go out and we, we buy a new car and someone says, man, I, I love that car. Look how shiny it is. And you say, well, God's really blessing me, isn't he? He's, he's blessing me. And that's kind of how we, we picture it in our minds, that, that God's good to us. Bad things happen. We say, God's not blessing me. But it was evident here in the life of Abram that he was acquiring things because God was allowing it. God was increasing his livestock, his men servants, his maid servants, his cattle, his silver, his gold. And Lot was, Lot was getting the runoff from all of that. He was traveling with Abram, and he also w- was acquiring these same things. God's blessing them. But the blessings, if you want to call it that, the blessings were getting to be too much. Sometimes blessings can cause problems, can't they? The Bible says that the land could not hold them both and had to separate. Now, the man of faith, he doesn't want to quarrel. You know, Jesus said centuries later, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Abram doesn't want to quarrel. He doesn't want fighting between uh, he and his nephew, Lot, um, or their, their workers, their hired hands. He says, um, Abraham says, Lot, you choose. You choose where you want to go. Now, does Lot get down on his knees and pray to God and say, Oh, Lord, oh, Yahweh, God of heaven, uh, give me wisdom to know which way to go, what I should choose. Oh, God, my, my uncle Abram has been so good to me. Give me the wisdom to know how I can bless his life. Is that what Lot did? Is that what the text says? No. 
It says, Lot looked up and saw. He's, he's looking with his eyes. He saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord. Verse 11, it says, So Lot chose for himself. Lot makes his choice based on his sight, what he could see. Now, wouldn't it have been the smart thing? Wouldn't it have been the respectful thing to say, you know what, Abram, you're my father. Not literally, but he's his uncle. They're, they're kinfolk. To say, Abram, you choose. I, I'm just a servant. You're, you're, you're the guy. You're the main man. You get to choose, and I'll just take whatever you, you give me. That's not what happened. Lot didn't seek God's advice. He never once asked for Yahweh to give him wisdom. It says he saw and he chose for himself what he thought was the best. You know, the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, doesn't it? It always does. It always does. Have you ever seen a cow straining his neck through a barbed wire fence trying to reach the grass on the other side when there's a field of grass all behind it? Have you ever seen that? There's something about it. It always, like, oh, it just, it looks so much better over there. What he has looks so much nicer and shinier and newer and bigger than what I have. You know, it's like everything always looks greener. And that's what, that's the way Lot made his choice. Because Oh, this, looks, this is going to be great for my cows, my, ge my, my sheep, my goat, my goat. Everything's going to be great here. And that's the way he chose. But it cost him dearly. It cost him dearly. He lost his wife in that whole situation with Sodom and Gomorrah. He exposed his children to all kinds of wickedness, sinfulness. It cost him dearly. Back to the man of faith. Look at verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. Not the first time that Abram builds an altar to God. He's, he's, he's stopping. He's taking stock of all that God has done for him. He's not just going through life, expecting, but he's going to take time to build an altar to the Lord and to give thanks, to give praise to Yahweh. What would it look like to live a life of faith, to make your choices, your decisions, not on sight, but based on faith? Let me tell you a little story about when we were living in Oklahoma City. Paul and I had lived in, a, in an apartment for a year, and then we moved into a, to a house 
uh, next door to some, some folks. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Paula got pregnant with Haley. Uh, she was teaching algebra, but we had decided that um, through a lot of talking and prayer that we really wanted her to stay home um, after Haley was born so that she'd be there. Uh, and she took five years off from teaching um, and then started back when, when Haley started in, into kindergarten. So um, we, we have Haley. We're living there in Oklahoma City. I'm working as an um, as, assistant minister, associate minister, slash uh, youth minister there at the Northwest Church. Uh, wasn't making a whole lot. And if you know anything about a teacher's salary, that's not a lot either, right? Public school teacher. And this is almost 20 years ago. Well, Paula's pregnant with Haley, and she comes to me and she says, I think we ought to increase our giving $25 a week. I said, you, let, me, let me see if I heard you right. You're saying you want to increase our, our giving to church $25 a week. She said, that's right. I said, listen, the Bible says that we are to give as we have been prospered. And we're not prospering. You quit your job. School teachers don't make a whole lot, but when you take a $30,000, $35,000 hit, that has an impact on you, right? So I put pen to paper, started trying to figure out how much, how much we had been giving to church. And if I remember correctly, it was somewhere around 15, 16% of our income before taxes. We didn't, we're not, we didn't make that argument there. About 15 or 16% of our income we were giving. But now when you take away her salary, what happens to the percentages? It goes way up. So I said, baby, listen, we should probably decrease our giving because we don't have your salary anymore. You know what she told me? She said, I think we ought to increase our giving $25 a week. I said, you don't know how this works. You don't understand how this works. We're already giving a pretty good percentage. And now you're wanting to increase it, and yet we're making less money. She said, I know, but I think we ought, I think we ought to try it. I said, okay, we'll do it for a couple of weeks or a month, but if things start getting tough, we're going to stop giving the 25, and we, we, we might also take a little bit off of what we, we are giving. She said, okay. Well, we were living there. We were living next to our landlord. One of, uh, we didn't know him, but his sister went to church with us. She had gotten cancer, and she wanted to, to, to be close to her brother while she was dealing with this. And so sometimes on a Wednesday night, those of us at church that, that like to sing, we would go and we would sing for her. It just really brought a smile to her face, and, and we loved doing it. Um, probably within a year of that time, she passed away. So the house was sitting empty. It was, it was her parents' house. Her brother lived next door, and long story short, I got him to, to rent the house 
to Paula uh, and, and myself. They were charging us $500 a month rent. Um, they could have gotten a lot more in rent, but they were charging us $500 a month. So we committed to giving another $25 a week to church. Not long after that, uh, Mr. Jim, that was his name, he put a new roof on, on our house. Uh, there had been some, some leaks in the roof uh, through the years. He, he decided it was time to put on some new shingles, and so uh, they did that. They, they cut out some new plywood, replaced some decking, uh, new felt paper, new roof. It looked great. About a week after that, I came home from work, and he said, um, he said, Rodney, we need to have a business meeting. I said, okay, Mr. Jim. I went inside, and I told Paula, I said, Bad news. Mr. Jim wants to have a business meeting. They just put a new roof on the house. They ought to be charging us a lot more in rent than they are. I'm afraid he's going to raise the rent on us. We'll, we'll see. Well, we didn't have the business meeting. About a week goes by. I'm out in the yard with Haley, and Mr. Jim leans over the fence, and he says, uh, we, we never have had that business meeting. We need to have that business meeting. I said, okay, Mr. Jim. And so I went in and I told Paul, I said, we got to go. We got to go next door and have this business meeting. I'm just kind of hang-dogging it, you know, not knowing what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. So we take Haley. We go over. We sit down. We have our little chit-chat, you know, your little exchange of friendliness. And then uh, he said, we need to sit down here at the table. So we sat down, and he had two printouts two sheets of paper, and he said, he pushed one in front of me, and he said, he said, Rodney, this is all the money that you've paid in rent since you've lived here the last couple of years. Yes, sir. And then he pushed this paper. He said, and this is all the money that we have spent on the house since you have, have lived here. Yes, sir. And he said, as you can see, you have paid us more in rent than we have spent on the house. And he said, we never rented the house to you to make money. The house has been paid for for years. So if it's okay with you, we'd like to go down on your rent $100 a month. I said, let me think about it. Okay. Who does that? <laughs> who, who lowers your rent $100 a month after we had just increased our giving $100 a month? Who does that? And I went home and literally, I just wept. I just said, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. I was so prepared not only to not give $25 more a week, but to lower what I was already giving. Oh, help my unbelief. And I don't stand before you this morning to tell you 
that if you'll just give more, God will give it right back to you. I, I, I'm not going to lay that out before you. I'm not going to make that promise. I'm just telling you, this was an experience in my life where by faith, my wife says, we ought to give more. And I'm, I'm, I'm fighting against it. Even though I, I, I'm, I love to give to God, I want to give. I was worried, new baby, more expenses, we don't have your salary, and now we're increasing our gain. I'm just, I'm telling you, I was worried about it. I was nervous that it wasn't going to happen. And my wife steps out in faith, wanting to give more to God, knowing that he would take care of us. And my landlord lowers my rent $100 a month. Mm. What would it look like, church, if we just stepped out in faith, not knowing, not fully understanding, but going because we know that God is going with us? What would that look like? Hebrews chapter 11. I want to read something to you here. By faith, Abraham, verse 8, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he, listen to this, he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. He trusted God. That's why the Bible says that Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He trusted God. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew God was going with him. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. This, this is important. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens, strangers here on the earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, listen, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The righteous shall live by faith. That's what 
Derek read to us this morning. The righteous shall live by faith. And that's really what Jesus talked about there in Luke 18. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for, you know, some grandiose big thing that, that we could do. He's looking for faith. Will he find faith among his people when he returns to the earth? Just like Abram, he packed up his tents and he left. He had no idea where he was going. The only thing he did know was that Yahweh was going to go with him. We used to sing a song. We sing it still sometimes. Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. See, it doesn't matter where he leads us. If we're walking in faith, it doesn't matter where he, where he takes us. It may be scary. It may not be where we'd like to go. He may call us to do some things that we're uncomfortable with. But if he leads us anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. Will we live for Jesus? Will we walk by faith? It'll be worth it wherever he takes us. Even if we don't know where we're going, we know he'll go with us. Will we live for Jesus? That's the question.